Welcome to the Colonial Hills Podcast, a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. Revelation chapter 1, I'm sorry, chapter 2, verse 1. We have the epistles of Jesus Christ to the seven churches. Now these are not John's epistles, it's Jesus Christ saying these things to John to record for these seven churches. And in this first passage, we have the epistle to the Ephesians from Christ, not to be confused with the epistle of Paul. And tonight, I really just want to focus on checking up on us. I want to be an encouragement to us. Uh, This isn't a message where I'm going to try to beat you over the head with anything. But I want us just to honestly evaluate where we are in our walk with Christ. And I want to use the Ephesian church here to kind of evaluate that. Let's see what the Lord says to the Ephesian church in Revelation chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. It says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars." And hast borne, and hast had patience, for my name's sake, hast labored, and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Tonight I just want to look and say, how is our love life doing? Let's ask God's blessing on his word tonight. Father, as we come before you, Lord, we pray that you would help us to earnestly and honestly seek our hearts. Lord, help us to have an honest evaluation of where we stand with you and help not our pride or the devil to have a foothold in our heart to lie to us any longer. Lord, reveal our eyes through your scriptures what you would have the Holy Spirit teach us. And Lord, where we lack, we pray that you would help us to make it right this evening. Be with us, Lord. Challenge us and encourage us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Now, the church of Ephesus was one that was founded on Paul's second missionary journey. You can find that in Acts chapter 18 and chapter 19, uh, where he visits them and then goes back to report to Antioch and then comes back to Ephesus and spends about two years there really establishing that church. Uh, it was one of the churches, uh, one of the cities that has one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, the Temple of Diana. Uh, and if you're familiar with the book of Acts, you remember in Acts chapter 19 what happened there with Ephesus and Diana. That for that long period of time, all night, they were crying, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. It was a place very steeped in idolatry and false worship of this goddess Diana, uh, a place of strong pagan worship. But the Ephesians here who are in this city are commended by Christ for their holding on to the works of God. They held fast to their works. They held fast to the faith. They held fast to doing the things they were supposed to do. They didn't compromise on doctrine. Those who had false teachings, they found them out and revealed them. They were very strong on truth, very strong on their works, very strong on doing the things they were supposed to. But the rebuke of Christ comes to them in verse number four, that they have left their first love. 
They had gone cold and indifferent to God. Now you could say, how is this church that is standing so strongly for God, doing the works that they're doing, uh, fighting the fight to hold on to his word, remaining fast, serving with patience, all of these things that God commends them for, how is it that they don't love God? Well, it is the fact that our labor doesn't reveal necessarily the contents of our heart. There are a lot of things that we can do for different reasons that aren't because we want to. How many of us go to a job every day? How many of you really want to go to that job? We do it because we have to. You need the money, you need this, you need that, you've got to live, you've got to work. But how many of us really want to do that? I mean, isn't it the goal of people that they're looking forward to retirement when they don't have to do those works anymore and all those things I would like to do in my free time don't have time to do, I'll get to do that. There's a lot of things that we can do that we don't necessarily like or love. The works that they were doing were not indicative of the way that they were doing them. And Christ here commands them that they need to go back and reevaluate themselves. Not to say, well, I'm doing all of these great things, but to sit down honestly with the Holy Spirit and say, listen, you guys have left your first love. You're doing all of these things, and it's great that you're doing them, but do you love me? The answer of Christ was that they had left that love. They hadn't lost it. They hadn't given it away. They hadn't gone into rebellion. They had just stagnated. See, our worship, our labor, our giving, everything that we do for Christ has to be done out of a heart of willing love toward him. It can't be compulsory. It can't be routine. It can't be because, well, it's expected of us. We have to do it. The Bible tells us that God loves a cheerful giver. That's not just financially, by the way. Yes, the passage deals with financial giving, but that applies to every aspect of what we give to God. Everything that we give to God needs to be done in a heart of willingness. Psalm 50 has recently become one of those psalms that I've fallen in love with. Uh, I started out on this because I thought, well, Psalm 50, what is it about? I know what Psalm 100 is about. It's the Thanksgiving psalm. I know 150. It's the last one. It talks about praising the Lord with all these different instruments. But what about Psalm 50? You know, 50, 100, 150. I ought to know the round numbers there. What is Psalm 50 about? And as I started digging into that, I found that right in the middle of it, God addresses Israel and says, listen, you guys are giving these things to me, but I don't want it. You're complaining about having to do these sacrifices all the time. I don't want a bull from you. I don't want a goat from you. If I were hungry, I'm not going to tell you about it. I'm God. I don't need a thing that you have. I want your worship. I want thanksgiving. I want praise. I want your heart to be toward me. And that's really what God is telling the Ephesians here. He's saying, I want your heart to be where my heart is. Your works are great. Your things that you're doing are good. But I've got somewhat against you because your heart isn't where it needs to be. Now, what caused them to leave their first love, we're not told. 
But it's probably not hard to summarize that what made them leave their first love is the same things that can make us leave our love for God. One of the biggest of these is familiarity or the sense of duty. We do it because we have to. We're going through the motions. We become so used to God being in our lives that we lose the specialness of God being in our lives. We come to church on Wednesday nights because, well, we're supposed to. We lose sight of the fact that we are invited to come into God's house, in his holy presence, and bring him worship, bring our requests before him. We get so familiar with being able to enter boldly into the throne room of Christ that we've forgotten how special that privilege is. That Christ made us joint heirs with himself. We have a saying in English that familiarity breeds contempt. We become so familiar with something that it stops being special to us. This is particular to those who have been born again for a longer period of time. We know God. We're familiar with God. He's our best friend, and that familiarity starts to lead us to take him for granted. Oh, yes, he's always going to be there, but we lose how special it is that God is always there for us. And whether or not that's what led the Ephesians astray as they're doing all of these things for him. They're in the process of defending his word. They're in the process of all of these works for him and their labor for him and their patience, how they have borne all of these trials for him. And just in the process of doing all of these things, if it became routine, we sing the songs by memory. We sit in the same place in a pew because it's where we're supposed to be. I'm not saying about sitting in the same place. Don't misunderstand me. But how easy it is to simply fall into routine and we lose the sight of that love for God. The reality of the songs, be still my soul. The Lord is on thy side. Do we, do we understand what we're singing? Or are we just going through the motions? And again, I'm not here to point the finger and say, we need to do better at these things. I'm just looking with an earnest evaluation. Is our love for God where it needs to be? If not, this gentle reminder from Christ to say, look, let's get it back where it needs to be. We have to come back to a genuine love of Christ, renew our desire for him, and remember all that he has done for us. Step back to that point of time where we first met Christ. How was our relationship with him then? How was our love with him then? That first love that we had with Christ. Familiarity can be one of the reasons. Busyness can be another one. Life get so bogged down with activity and things that we do that it makes us forget God. And that might have been where the Ephesians were. If you look at this list, how many things they were doing, how embroiled in the fight for God's truth they were, all their work and their labor, 
The fast pace of our lives can create an atmosphere where God becomes just one more part of our life. Going to church is just one more aspect of who we are. We excel, especially as Americans, at compartmentalizing. What that means is that every part of our life becomes separate from the other. Who we are at work and who we are at home are two different people, and work stays at work and home stays at home, and church stays at church. We're excellent at compartmentalizing. This area is where I'm work, and this area is where I'm at home and relaxing, and this area is where I'm at church, and they don't necessarily cross over. Oh, yes, maybe I'll witness to some people while I'm at work, and maybe I'll answer a work phone call when I'm at home, and maybe I'll do my devotions while I'm at home, but we just put everything in their boxes, and Christ is just another part of our life. The problem with that is that Christ can't just be part of our life. He is our life. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live through Christ. See, Christ can't just be part of our life. He is our life. Every compartment that we have in our life needs to be put in the box labeled Christ. Work needs to be in Christ. Home needs to be in Christ. Church needs to be in Christ. We are in Christ. Every avenue of our life has to be focused through Christ. He is the center of our life and everything must pass through him and he through everything. And it's so easy just with the busyness of life to have Christ just be part of it. And we lose that love that we had for him. We lose that aspect of love for Christ. We have to push on. It could also be because of secondary loves. And we let other things in this world take our place of our first love. The Bible would call this idolatry. If something in this world takes the place of God's love in our life, then we have set that thing up as an idol. Let me see if I can maybe make this a little bit clearer clearer. My wife loves coffee. I don't feel threatened that my wife loves coffee. Now, if my wife loved another man, we would have problems. There are things in this world it's not wrong to like. I'm okay with my wife loving coffee. I don't feel threatened by that love that she has for coffee most of the times. Occasionally, I worry, but My point is that it's not wrong to have these other loves in our life. They just cannot have the same place as our love for God. When God says, have no other gods before me, that doesn't mean that he's number one and then this is number two and this is number three. It means God is number one, period. Now, there are some other things over here I might enjoy. They're not gods. They're not in his place. My wife's love for me and her love for coffee are two different places. But a lot of times we take the things that we love here and we try to put them here. And we won't say that they're more important to us than God, but they're pretty close to him. They're in the wrong category of love. And when Christ is looking at them and saying, you've left your first love 
It could be that they are in love with the things they're doing, the way they're seeing the success in their area, the way that they're combating. Have you ever met those people who love to argue? One of the things that uh, a very wise professor once told me was, be careful that you don't win the argument and lose the soul. And we get so focused on we want to be right that we forget to be loving. And that can happen with God too. We get so focused on one aspect or another, and it might even be an aspect of ministry. Look at the Ephesians. God had to call him out and say, hold on, guys, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're doing all of these things, but do you love me? If something has taken the place of Christ in our lives, we have to put Christ back in his proper place, and that thing needs to go back in its proper place. And that might be the garbage can, depending on how much it pulls us away from Christ. Nothing in our lives can take the place of that first love. There might be other reasons. Maybe something in your heart has drawn that love of yours away from God. But what is the remedy of it, therefore? Let's look in verse 5. He says, remember, therefore. First part of this is simply to remember. Remember who Christ is. Remember what he's done for us. Remember what we've lost in our first love. It's the greatest love that there is. Here in his love, not that we love him, but that he loves us. The love that we have for Christ is reflected on what Christ did and how he loves us. Do we remember that? Do we remember what Christ did? Do we remember that great love he had? Is there anything to compare to it? Do you remember when you were first saved? And that love and zeal you had for Christ? You have it still. He says in verse 5, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen. Remember where we were. Compare ourselves. Do we still line up? Do we need to get ourselves back a little bit? He says, remember therefore from whence thou art, repent. That means to come back to where we need to be. Don't just look at it and say, well, you know, I used to be there, but I can't do that again. No, you can. God is ready and willing to replace you into that place of love. That place of zeal, that place of excitement. It's never too late. It's never too far. It may be very long and it may be very far. We have to return from, but we can return. We can repent. We can have that proper love of Christ again. We can have that zeal in our hearts again. We can be excited about God again. It is possible. We can do it. God wants us to. He's begging us to. And then he says, resume. I love this comparison here in verse 5. He says, remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works. Now on this whole list, the Ephesians have been doing all these works and all these labors and all this fighting for God's word and all this patience and endurance they've had. But Christ says you lost your first love and in doing so you lost your first works. There are works that we do and then there are the first works. We can labor for God, but without the proper love, what does it really amount to? Are we really doing any favors to God? 
the work that we do, the doors we knock on, the people that we talk to, if we're not doing it through the love of God, does it really count for anything? God could have the stones cry out his name. You think he needs us? He could write the message of salvation in the stars. But he hasn't done that. Because he wants you and I to do it. In love for him. The first commandment that we're given is to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. Christ said that is the first commandment. We got to get back to the first works, which is to love God, first and foremost. You say, Brother John, good, but you're a missionary. You're supposed to give us a missions message. How does this fit in with missions? If our love for God is right, everything else is going to line up. I don't need to tell you that you need to go out and tell more people about Jesus. I don't need to tell you about giving to missionaries so they can go on your behalf to go to other countries and tell people about Jesus. You know all of these things. But if our love for Christ is right, all these things are going to be stirred up in our hearts. And we're going to desire to do these things for God. I don't need to tell you to do them. You're going to want to do them. Because it's what God wants. It's what God desires. If our love for God is right, then everything else is going to fall into place. That includes missions. That includes reaching the lost. All of these things that the Ephesians were doing, God commends them for it, but says, listen, I need you to get back to the first works. I need you to get back to your first love. I need you to do this in the right heart. Because that's when it's going to make the difference. And the beautiful thing here is the reward for doing so. Verse number seven. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. The reward is sweet communion with God and pure love for the rest of eternity. You know, you don't have to wait to heaven to get that. It can start now. If we love God, the rest of it will fall into place. How's your love life tonight? If there's some areas that need fixing, it's not too late to fix it. God wants us to. He's ready for us, waiting and willing with open arms to welcome us back into that first love. Wouldn't it be great if you could feel the same way you did when you first fell in love with your wife? Wouldn't it be great to feel the same way you did when you first fell in love with God? You can. You can do it tonight. God wants us to. And if we've fallen out of that first love, what better time than today to get it back? Let's ask the Lord's blessing. Father, Lord, you know our hearts. It is in simple earnest, I pray, that you would reveal them to us. Lord, if there is anything lacking in our love for you, reveal it to us. And Lord, make it right. If we've been so accustomed to routine that we've forgotten to love you, Lord, fix that. If we've gotten too busy in life and just made you another part of it, Lord, help us to make you all of it. 
Father, if there's something in our heart that's taken our place of you, let us get it out and make you our first love once again. Help us to remember who Christ is. Help us to remember what we've lost. And Lord, restore us. We know you can. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm not going to have a proper invitation, but I do want to pray for those of you that the Holy Spirit's touched. If you say, Brother Stover, my love for God isn't where it needs to be, and I want to make it right tonight, if you just slip up your hand so I can pray for you, nobody's going to point you out. This is a testimony between you and God, saying, God, I'm not where I need to be, and I want to be. Father, you see these hands. Lord, we pray that you would help them to get their hearts where you want them to, that they would have that first love, that zeal and excitement for you once again. Father, if there are any here who don't know you, maybe they've never fallen in love with you. Lord, I pray that tonight they would be able to. Those of you maybe who've never heard or never accepted that gift of Christ, can I challenge you? God is waiting for you. It's as simple as coming to him and asking for forgiveness. Christ did all the hard work on our behalf. We just celebrated Easter, his death, burial, and resurrection. That's the gospel. Jesus Christ died for our sins. He was buried to take him away, and he rose again to offer new life. He offers that to all who would come. This podcast has been a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church, a church home for all people. If what you've heard has been an encouragement to you, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you'd like to connect with Colonial or find more resources, you can find us online at colonialindy.org. You can also check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope to see you next time on the Colonial Hills Podcast.